CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun Joke All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag cybersecurity. Today's topic is improving cybersecurity awareness and behavior. And our guests for today's show are Derek Brink, who's a vice president and research fellow with Aberdeen Group. Hi, Derek. How are you? Hi there. Doing well. Thank you, Sandra. Very good. Hey, life, life is treating you good? Uh, things are fine here. Uh, the, the weather's uh, changing into winter in, in New England, where I am, but uh, life is good. All right, great. And we also have Jeffrey Wright, who's the Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer with Allstate. How are you, Jeff? Doing well, thanks. All right, great, guys. Uh, Welcome to the show again. Now, there's a saying that Americans are the most health-conscious country in the world, and yet we are also one of the fattest and most unhealthy nations around. Why do I say this? Because the same might be said of cybersecurity, where we invest millions in technology to protect our data and our privacy, and uh, yet we are still consistently susceptible to attacks. So October uh, every year is a National Cybersecurity Awareness Month that we celebrate, and all along the month we've been doing shows focused on security. But today we wanted to talk specifically about awareness and what it really means to be aware and behaving smartly and properly in regards to the threats that are out there. So, uh, Derek, as a first question, I'd like to ask you, we we speak about awareness all the time, and we say if there was better awareness, then we could have solved most of these problems, and there may be some best practices, people say, that exist which could be utilized. But what are we talking about uh, in terms of awareness? If, If there was clarity, then there would have been a solution, but is there a lack of clarity? Well, uh, I think uh, the, the, this is Derek. So I think the um, the issue is uh, that awareness is uh, on the rise. Uh, awareness is, is definitely increasing. The headlines are helping us see to that. This is un- unfortunately true that we, we see so many cases of security breaches. You know, here's how I might answer the question. When I think of about attending the uh, RSA conference, which is for our industry, you know, one of the biggest uh, events of each year, um, I, I think it was last year, 2013, that, uh, you know, every conference has sort of a theme or a buzz about it. And I would say that uh, awareness is one of the, the buzzes from, from that time, and it, it's been increased. But So if, if you were to say the level of awareness for information security uh, is at an all-time high, uh, I'd have to agree with that. But the, the thing is that, uh, you know, awareness is not the same as, as doing something about it. So you could talk about that on a couple of levels, greater awareness by, by management and the business leaders doesn't necessarily mean that they have greater understanding about risk and what should be done about it, and it doesn't mean that they're making more thoughtful and deliberate risk-based decisions and allocation of resources to address those problems. And, and at the same time, and I think what we're talking mostly about today is, is uh, greater awareness by the users, uh, you know, you and I and Jeff, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're changing our behavior. So, you know, awareness is the first step. Every 12-step program, you know, starts with uh, being aware, but we're sort of consciously incompetent, I guess, and we need to, you know, transform ourselves into being 
conscious of it and then doing something about it. So, Jeff, when you look at awareness, and, and uh, as Derek rightly pointed out, one thing is to get jitters whenever you hear uh, anything like, you know, some, some mishap or, or there's a breach happening. And that is not really helping you understand what happened, why it happened, and what can we do to prevent it, uh, prevent it from happening to us. When you look at the overall scenario out there, is the awareness limited to just getting those shocking news or we are really taking it all the way down to the users where they are understanding that if they don't do their job well, then we could very well be the victims. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, there's, uh, I think, a disconnect between um, people understanding how the actions they take and the decisions they make uh, at their desks every day uh, and every week can affect the security posture of a large organization. Um, folks tend to focus on all of the technology uh, that we buy and put in place to protect uh, our company and our assets, and they just don't appreciate um, how browsing the web, uh, something as simple as browsing the web or opening an email, um, can in some cases circumvent or bypass a lot of those controls. So it, it is not good enough simply to create awareness. You need to provide them with the knowledge that they need in order to make smart decisions. Now, consciously, uh, this is uh, for you, uh, Jeff, again. Consciously, no one comes to the office or goes to work or wherever they work uh, thinking that I want to create vulnerability. I want to work against uh, as, as a totally an unaware person. So they do the best they can do. So if there are issues at the user level, should we directly take the blame as leaders or organization whosoever is working on building the awareness as a job not being done right? Yeah, I think you know, um, Derek mentioned the, uh, uh, the, the 12-step uh, 12 programs. Um, I think um, our, our challenge is to make it simpler to that, than that, you know, fewer steps. Uh, it boils down to cr creating awareness. Uh, they need to understand, uh, like I said, how the actions they take can affect the posture. Um, and, and we have a role to play in that. Um, the, the threats have gotten so much more sophisticated. The headlines these days are commanded by the APTs, the, the advanced persistent threats, the nation state sponsored uh, attacks, and of course, all of these breaches. Um, but they tend not to focus too much on the thousands or tens of thousands of attacks that take place every day uh, on our systems. And those are the, the, the keep it simple, stupid, um, KISS premise. Um, these are the simple attacks uh, that preoccupy our socks where we hope that our users will make the right choice. So, so we've boiled it down to, to far fewer steps. It's create awareness uh, in order to be able to transfer knowledge uh, to help these well-intentioned people to make the right decisions. Uh, and then the important step is to visibly transfer accountability. So you've created the awareness, you've, you've provided them with the knowledge that they need to make the right choices. Now you need to let them know that they've got a very important role to play uh, in protecting the company's assets. And then lastly, uh, the fourth step in my process is um, to reinforce that, not only with uh, penalties, but also with reward and recognition, so rewarding people for having made uh, a good choice and really um, uh, helping people stand out as the hero that they've, that they've been that particular day or that particular minute in protecting the company's assets. Derek, on one hand, you have a regular office-going business user. 
who is going about reading their emails or, or talking about inter-office memos and, and responding to them and doing whatever they do in their daily lives. And on the other hand, there are very sophisticated uh, people who are planning these attacks, who understand how psyche works and actually are able to manipulate individuals into clicking on a link or sharing something, et cetera, et cetera. So to what degree can you expect just awareness and or even brute force training given to these users could ever match up with those super powerful, super intelligent and highly manipulative uh, adversaries? Well, I, I think, you know, there, there is um, uh, evidence, there's an empirical evidence from, uh, you know, companies that focus on training. They have the click rates before um, uh, any training and awareness has been done, and, and they have the click rates after, and, and those are pretty impressive. They, they show a reduction in uh, the order of uh, 50 to 70 percent uh, uh, of click rates by uh, just going through that, that, that basic kind of training. So, you know, the, the fact is that the the, the data is actually there, but it's still what you talked about is social engineers. I mean, you know, the, the, the malicious intent of these uh, attackers, they're intelligent attackers, they're trying to design these attempts to infect, and, and you know, they're very clever. They, they prey on the, the humanness of all of us, and they're trying to get us to connect or click or, or call or, or open or provide information, uh, you know, voluntarily. All those things are, um, you know, with their intent to commit fraud or capture the data or or sabotage the infrastructure. So, uh, you know, the, the, the behaviors we're talking about seem pretty benign, but, you know, they just have to do with the networks that we use, the devices that we use, the files with, that we send and receive, the, the apps that we install and run, the links we click on, the emails we send, all those things. And these are just everyday behaviors. So, we, we you know, just being uh, aware and sensitive is, uh, is, is, is helping us make better decisions, uh, as, as, as we were just saying. Uh, but the, the malicious intent is, is behind it, and they do, you know, uh, you use the right word. I think uh, you use the word engineer, so they are you know, using these kinds of social engineering techniques. So uh, when you look at, uh, Jeff, the, the real problems, if you were to take this whole scenario of awareness not being there or people are still getting attacked or manipulated, what do you think, if you were to inventory the top three things, what are what is missing in the way we do go about building awareness or, or handling these things? You know, I think um, we've probably all um, participated in or, or provided awareness training. Um, I think in a lot of cases that training is uh, dated. So the workforce is, has progressed, has moved on. Um, it, they want to be communicated with in a different way. So one challenge I think that potentially has been overlooked in some organizations is just the way that you engage uh, your audience. You need to find a way um, that creates a dialogue. Uh, it, it will lead to questions. Um, Derek had, had mentioned sort of the empirical evidence that exists. Uh, I, I think it exists not only in some of the phishing tests that you can do and where you can demonstrate how prior to uh, awareness training there was a higher degree of click-through um, than after. But you can also harvest metrics um, and understand whether you're on the right path or not um, by simply counting page views and, and, and the number of uh, questions and, and, and um, forums that you're asked to present in. There's no shortage of um, a, a call to action in the press. Everyone reads about it. I imagine every one of your listeners and probably at this point just about every American has been affected by a data breach uh, this year. 
uh, and had a credit card reissued. So they understand it um, at a personal level uh, and how it can affect their personal finances and, and the, the things they do at home. We need to find out how to bring that level of engagement into the workforce um, and help them understand how uh, you can help them protect their personal information and at the same time protect the corporate assets. Social engineering. Now, this is the, the grandma doesn't understand what social engineering is. So let's let's kind of dumb it down a little bit. And Derek, could you explain what it means to an average person and what do you want them to learn about it and what they should be doing to prevent getting exploited based on it? Well, sure. I, I guess, uh, you know, the, the, the easy definition is uh, social engineering just takes advantage of our human characteristics to try to get us to do something that the attacker wants us to do. You know, I, I just, I've always found it interesting. There's a famous line by uh, Arthur C. Clarke. He's the guy who wrote um, 2001, A Space Odyssey, if you remember. The, the line he wrote is, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And so I think, uh, you know, for a lot of uh, everyday users, uh, you know, that we, we're not deeply knowledgeable about the underlying technology, and, and in fact, it's being designed that way. Where it's trying to be designed for ease of use and productivity, not so we, you know, know its inner workings. So, with, with that in mind, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, uh, things that social engineers do that uh, I actually also find industry are not that much different from what uh, magicians do. Um, it, you know, there's a lot of parallels between uh, a magic show and social engineering. So, one of them, for example is um, uh, confirmation bias is the social engineering term, I guess, technically. We tend to search or interpret information in a way that confirms the preconceptions that we have about it, and we tend to avoid information and interpretations that contradict uh, any you know, prior beliefs that we might have. So if we're you know, looking today and as we approach the holiday season about uh, um, maybe we've got a package or there's some problem with our shipment that we might be inclined to ship, you know, click on that, um, and, and magicians apply the same kind of thing. They they you know, they let us believe in ourselves. So if they let us notice something on our own, um, the lie that they're telling us becomes more impenetrable. You know, nothing fools us better than the lies we tell ourselves. So there's just a lot of parallels about human nature and, and uh, what the social engineers do. And if it helps anybody to understand it better, then try to think of some of the things that magicians do. And I think, you'll, <laughs> interestingly, you'll find a lot of parallels there. Yeah, Derek, this is Jeff here. I, I, I agree with your, your parallel uh, comparison to, to human nature and, and magic. I think, um, uh, my opinion, social engineering and in particular um, phishing attacks are probably one of the most rapidly evolving um, threats or, or areas of security practice uh, out there. Um, the technology is largely uh, reactive, so it's looking for a pattern or a signature. The bad guys have figured that out, and, and they've figured out ways to um, rapidly manipulate that so that there really isn't a pattern or a signature that you can key off of. It comes down to the individual behind the keyboard making the right choice. And i got to tell you, it's, a lot has changed since the, in the last five years when, when you used to get those emails poorly spelled, horrible grammar. Um, asking for $2,000 from uh, because you lost your passport and, and you need to pay a, a hotel bill. Today's phishing uh, and spear phishing emails, the social engineering attempts are very well crafted. 
uh, often very sophisticated, um, may come in multiple parts. So they'll ask you for a piece of information that seems fairly innocuous and put that together with a piece of information they got from somewhere else within the organization, and they'll string it together. Um, so it, it's just such a, a dynamic um, and changing environment. It's, it's, it does truly come down to oftentimes the individual uh, and them fighting the urge to, um, to carry forward um, a, a historical learning. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And based on the responses we got from both Derek and Jeff, uh, it's not really very comforting to know that the way the things are being brought on to a regular user and, and they're becoming more and more vulnerable and they're more likely to make mistakes because they dealt themselves a lie, as, as, as per Derek. So what is, what is to be done with them in terms of handling such or preparing them for, 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 from such attacks? preventing such attacks. So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore this a little more. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, Jeff, uh, your response as well as Derek's, both of them suggest that people who are very vulnerable and regular users will keep getting tricked. So, what is what is possible for us to do sitting at the top and and you might have some ways to even share that are are these problems happening because they would just keep tripping on the same problems over and over or there is some growth happening in the user base i, I i'm not sure about the growth in the user base um uh but what i what i can share uh it's a personal story um, because it comes down to, to human behavior. It's, it's what we began the show talking about. Um, and, and I was playing the role of a, a computer support person for my, uh, my mother-in-law at one point, uh, and her computer was just constantly plagued with uh, viruses and, and malware, and I, I, I couldn't figure out what, what was causing that. And um, 
troubleshooting it one day, I watched her go through her postal mail. And now this is a person that has about a dozen credit cards, yet every credit card offer um, that she received, she'd open it up and read it and then tear it up. And, and that's just the way that she had processed mail uh, for probably 30 years or more. Um, and, and when it came to email, she, those, those behaviors carry forward. And, and the recognition that that, type of act, that that type of action can be harmful um, it just isn't there. So, again, it, for me, it's about connecting the dots. It's about providing that level of knowledge, how things have changed in the electronic world, that seemingly harmless actions um, that one might customarily take in browsing the web uh, for a product they're searching for or opening a piece of mail uh, electronically, though, how those actions can really undermine some of the sophisticated technology that we put in place to protect our user community. Um, so, that, you know, we have a role to play. I, I, I desperately think that role is to, is to connect those dots, to provide that level of awareness, and, and then provide them with the knowledge, um, you know, what are the right choices to make here? What should I, when should I report something? How do I report it? Um, and, and when should I maybe um, uh, not open an attachment or, or, or something along those lines? If I, if I could add to that, uh, to Jeff's comment, uh, do you mind, uh, Sandra? Uh, yes, please uh, go ahead. Uh, you know, there's a short story from uh, years and years ago called The Lady or the Tiger. I don't know if people are familiar with it, but in the story, uh, if you're a criminal in a certain kingdom, then you have to make a, a choice between two doors, and one contains a beautiful woman, and the other has a ravenous tiger. So the, 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 the point is that, you know, one choice leads to, you know, uh, a sentence of innocence and immediate marriage, and the other one leads to uh, immediate death. And, and, and this is a choice that we face, really, every day. Uh, and we're, we're sort of, you know, uh, conditioned to uh, say, you know, look at this, check it out, click on this link. Uh, it's, it's innocent human assumptions to just click through and we'll get positive results. But I think your question was, you know, how are things evolving? So, that, you know, there, there's this notion of, just for the sake of the audience, uh, <clears throat> blended threats. So we might get a seemingly innocuous uh, email or message, but it contains some kind of uh, malicious uh, URL link or some executable attachment that, 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 that we open. Uh, that's increasingly common. Um, uh, spam continues to be a, a problem in our email. So uh, I'm told by the vendors who, who you know, focus on this that 80% uh, or so of spam contains some kind of uh, malicious uh, link or, or <clears throat> link to a website. Um, you know, there's websites that we, we, you know, your mother probably told you not to visit, but um, it's not just those websites that have been infected. And in fact, the, the you know, the bad guys are, are cleverly using the uh, search engine optimization techniques that, that marketers use to, to drive people to the websites that they, they want to drive them to. And just one more example, <clears throat> we've all probably seen the, uh, the um, it's referred to as tiny URLs, so we don't have to see the very long uh, URL, the the shortened or tiny URL, um, it, it makes it easier for the attackers to disguise, disguise the malicious links. Uh, you know, it's originally designed for, to make it easier for us. We don't have to have the, the long and cumbersome URLs, but it also makes it uh, harder for us to spot uh, something bad, uh, uh, even when we see it in, in front of us. So, uh, you know, the technologies are being used uh, for both uh, good and bad, and so this awareness uh, just becomes all the more important. So... We do know that these individuals would be interacting and communicating with the outside world, with the outside of the four walls of the workplace, 
at a personal level, and then they would also do the same at, at work. So Jeff, would you go out and be able to exert control or at least some supervision on what they do outside of the workplace? Is that what's going to give us a complete overview? What all are they touching? Who all are they communicating with? Because as you mentioned, there are people who would get some information from these individuals when they are maybe not at work or are totally different, innocuous information, and then they will string things together. So what is the scope of influence that you feel the CISO and the security team and the organization should exert now in order for them to prevent these people from becoming vulnerable and cause harm to the organization eventually. Yeah, I don't, um, uh, I don't think anybody wants me um, intruding on what their out-of-work practices are, um, uh, thankfully. Um, I do think that, again, when you, when you position this awareness training uh, and you provide this knowledge, um, you can do that in one of two ways. You can uh, take the position that this is what I need you to do in order to protect um, the company's assets uh, in our email system, or you can uh, extend yourself a little bit uh, and help them understand how these practices will help help you not only uh, in the workplace, um, but also in, in your personal lives. And, and I think folks are more receptive to that um, Again, probably because everyone's been through one of these events or you can't uh, read the paper uh, each week without, without seeing another company uh, that's incurred one of these breaches. So helping provide them with the tools um, uh, that, that will help protect them outside of the workplace uh, is a freebie to them. Uh, and, it's, and it's an added level, level of control to me uh, inside the workplace. So, Derek, I love uh, eating good sugary and fatty food, right, like most of us do. So even if somebody tells me, my wife would say, don't eat, but I would still indulge once in a while, maybe not all the time. That the same thing then holds true for other people who may be coached with all good intentions by the CISO's team in their organization or anyone else, but eventually they would give in, and that is the opportunity those intruders are looking for. So are you better off training? Yes, but after some time you say, I'm done training these people, then let's get ready to just be able to respond to those breaches versus trying to expect, you know, spend a whole lot of time and energy and dollars into training people only to understand that they will partially change their behavior, if at all. Well, that's a great question, and there's, there's so many dimensions to it. We might have to break up our responses a bit, but let me start by saying that there are a couple of uh, approaches to the problem. One is that, you know, um, there's prevention-oriented strategies, and I would sort of characterize uh, what we're talking about right now as the last mile and the prevention side of the of the equation, right, the, the user behavior, right? So there are other controls in place, and the more and more companies, you know, acknowledge that they can't uh, possibly, even though, you know, they're effective, it's no slam on them, they just can't possibly be effective 100% of the time. So what we're trying to do is, is, is to talk about that last mile, which is the user behavior side. There's also the case, <clears throat> we should acknowledge maybe for another uh, show, um, that, that more companies are also investing in uh, technologies to, uh, to monitor and detect uh, things more quickly and tend to respond and, you know, remediate and restore to normal uh, more quickly because that, that minimizes the, uh, the, the, the impact of, 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 of an infection. So, in other words, what I'm 
trying to call attention to is that there's two sides to the risk equation. There's the side that addresses the likelihood of something bad happening, and what we're talking about here addresses that, that likelihood side. There's also the side of how do we you know, minimize the impact when something does happen in spite of all our investments. So, so both sides are, are important, and we're really focused here on the, on the, on the awareness, which is on the uh, reduce the likelihood side. Yeah, Sanjog, Jeff, um, if I could, you know, you mentioned cost, and uh, I think folks would be pleasantly surprised to learn that um, providing just this basic level of awareness and knowledge transfer that's so critically important to any program um, really isn't an expensive proposition. Uh, it takes time. Um, it, it, it means uh, introducing yourself maybe to some parts of the organization that um, you haven't uh, interacted with frequently, so your communications team, your, your enterprise communications um, folks uh, who can help get that message out. But simply communicating um, with the, with the uh, user community uh, is not a very burdensome or expensive proposition. I think some of the cost that we associate um, with awareness training comes in when um, uh, we talk about some of the testing or the remediative uh, actions that, that we can take. So phishing exercises, um, mandatory training portals, that sort of thing. That's expensive. There's a lot of machinery behind that. Um, but simply getting the message out, um, I think, is a very powerful thing that you can do uh, without really incurring a lot of cost. And you also mentioned um, response, and that's another very important um, element of any security program, not just as it relates to social engineering and phishing attacks. Um, with the frequency of attacks that are taking place today, um, I think folks would be very wise to spend uh, a lot of time understanding how they're going to respond um, and what capabilities they can bring to bear quickly to identify the scope of an incident, isolate it, and remediate it. It's a separate uh, track outside of the, the social engineering or um, awareness training, but equally important. If we could, uh, Sarah, again, I'd, I'd like to, to keep the conversation with Jeff going a bit. Um, it's all right. Uh, we were a couple of guys who both agree that uh, the investment in Awareness and training is, a, you know, is a good thing. But I have to say, as a researcher, that uh, you know, I've looked across. You know, what Aberdeen does in, in, in terms of research is a benchmarking style of research. So that means that uh, organizations uh, like yours, Jeff, would respond to a survey and, and tell us about their practices and so on. And so I just looked over a particular five-year period, and, and over that time, there were 29 benchmark studies, and that in, they involved uh, over 3,500 organizations worldwide. And, and it turns out that the, the, the companies who, relative to the others, had the top performance, we call them leaders, or we also use the term best in class, they were, in fact, 70% more likely on average than the, the bottom performers to have invested in user awareness and education. But uh, that said, that still was only uh, just about half of the leaders um, uh, in, in made that investment and, and you know, much smaller percentage of, of the laggards. So, in other words, it's a relatively low amount, and I, I'm, I've always been sort of uh, astounded by why, uh, and again, your company ex accepted, uh, but the majority, I would say, of companies out there, right, uh, don't make this investment. And I've always been astounded about, about why uh, that is. And, and I have a couple of quick comments about that. One is because there are some you know, underlying attitudes perhaps towards uh, users, again, not your company, but there, there might be the, the, I've heard it so many times, uh, that, that users aren't capable of always doing the right thing, so we need to dumb things down. 
uh, a belief that users aren't trustworthy to do the right thing, so we have to, you know, uh, have uh, uh, tighter controls and, and fewer uh, freedoms. Uh, and another is a belief that users shouldn't be making decisions about security and compliance, and then the you know, policy should be, uh, you know, strictly enforced. So um, I think the reason, though, is that uh, the, that uh, security leaders, frankly, don't know how. They, their awareness is high, but we're not talking about risk in the proper way, and that uh, security leaders don't know how to make that uh, uh, discussion of risk in terms that the business leaders understand, which is there's a likelihood that something bad will happen, and, and there's a, uh, an impact uh, when it does. And by making this investment, we can, you know, reduce that risk, uh, which is a function of likelihood and, and, uh, and impact. I, I don't know if you agree with that or, or whether that's a direction you want to go, uh, Tendra. Yeah, so, yeah, so no, this actually is a great, yeah. It's a great time for us to take a quick break. When we come back, we'd love to get Jeff's comments on this. And, of course, then I'd like to ask a follow-up question that, as a business, we don't get paid to try we get paid to get results. And if social engineering or any kind of user level vulnerability is causing us the big bucks or causing us goodwill loss or other type of uh, issues, then there has to be some significant investment made of what type? Let's discuss that more when we come back from the break. Please stay tuned. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, Jeff, uh, you, you, of course, are going to be able to respond to what uh, Derek just mentioned and, of course, uh, the issue that I raised uh in terms of we have to get results and we have to get appropriate investments given the stakes. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it'll be an eloquent response. Um, you know, uh, what I heard, uh, Derek, in, in the points you were making, um, it, it, comes, it comes back in my mind to uh, an, out, an outcomes-driven program. So what is it? What is it that we're trying to prevent or deter or minimize? Um, in this case, it's, it's risk to... Uh, a phishing attack or a social engineering attack that could lead to 
uh, data loss or um, brand or reputation damage. Um, so, so you need to create some way of, of proving uh, that you're making a dent, right? That you're that you're plugging a, a hole in the dam here, um, and, and that so that's the outcome. Uh, I said. I said it was a relatively low investment, I think, to start one of these awareness um, programs. There's cost, I think, that, that uh, folks can incur as they mature that capability. Uh, and, and primarily, I, in my opinion, that, that comes into play when you begin to enact some of these remediative or, or mandatory training obligations. Um, but you, could, you can clearly, I think, demonstrate uh, through a couple of key, uh, key metrics. One is, and there's no shortage of this, um, your folks in the Security Operations Center or, or just in the industry, the number of attacks that are occurring uh, in this space on a daily basis. And that number is a, a staggeringly large number. Uh, please don't ask me to quote it, but it, it, it's many zeros after it. It's just such an easy and low-cost way for criminals um, and, and um, less than well-intended individuals to try to uh, launch an attack. So on the one hand, you've got the number of attempts uh, that are being made every day and every hour to um, compromise, compromise your environment. Uh, I mentioned a few earlier uh, on the other side of that equation is uh, simple things like the number of times uh, that your, your internal web pages are viewed when you begin to put this uh, communication out. So you, you begin to get a sense or an appreciation for whether or not the community is participating in this, in this dialogue. Uh, if they're taking this information up, uh, hopefully you're, you're instructing them to do something, um, to make a choice, and that choice might be to uh, contact the email team or contact your security operations center. So another metric that you can use um, to demonstrate that the awareness and the knowledge that you've just provided this community with are having a positive impact uh, on your program. You, you're, you're getting people that are following the dialogue and they're taking action and that action is being captured in your security operations uh, center. So, uh, you know, I mentioned maybe three or four metrics there that, that demonstrate for you the size of the challenge, um, what's potentially at risk, uh, as well as how, as a CISO, you can begin to quantify um, the effect that your awareness program is having uh, and hopefully um, continue to fund it or fight for airspace when it comes to all of the corporate communications or all of the other initiatives that are lingering around out there in the ether. So, uh, Derek, would you think, and based on all the discussions you've had, are people uh, looking for investment? I would like to especially go to CISOs. Are they going and looking at a line item based investment that this is how much I'm going to spend on training, et cetera, et cetera, or there are different ways by which the budget could include these items and then to a varying degree, you can adjust it based on what kind of results you're getting? Well, I, I think a couple of points I'll just try to circle back and clarify. One point I was trying to make is that, you know, present company accepted. I mean, Allstate would be, you know, considered a leader or best in class, right? So I used to, before I had this role as an analyst, I reported to the CEO of a pretty well-known security company, and he used to like to go visit customers, of course. And he would come back and say, well, this customers are doing this or that. And we, I used to say, you know, you're talking to the, the cream of the crop. When you ask to go on sales calls, you don't go to the mom-and-pop stores. And there's sort of a, you know, there's a pyramid of of, uh, of organizations out there. And, and uh, I'm trying to, I guess, make a point to the, 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 to the middle and even the bottom of the pyramid instead of the very tip-top here. 
and, and that is that uh, you know companies are investing millions of dollars in in security controls, and uh, for the most part, they're not investing anything in their people. And I I think that's a that's one of the points that, that I would make. Again, present company accepted. The second point I was trying to make is that the language we use when we try to make the business case or get the resources allocated is is off base. We love as security and technology people and IT people, we love to talk about uh, advanced persistent threats and, and phishing and vulnerabilities and exploits and the headlines of the day. But the, the leaders uh, that we're trying to serve, they understand the language of risk. And, and so, I, you know, look, here's a simple way to hopefully get my point across for your listeners. Just take this little pop quiz here. Um, uh, true or false? Uh, phishing is a serious security risk to our organization. And the answer is false, uh, because I suppose it might be a trick question, but it makes my point about language. Phishing is not a risk. Phishing is an exploit. In fact, specifically, phishing is an exploit of a vulnerability that everybody has, which is human beings. So if you're going to use the language of risk, what we need to do is say, uh, there's, uh, for example, there's an 80% likelihood that phishing attacks will result in a business impact uh, of greater than Y million dollars over the next 12 months. And if we invest in such and such, we can reduce that to an acceptable amount. So uh, communicating in the language of risk and making decisions based on the management's uh, appetite for risk is, is the point I was trying to make. So, Derek, I will just come back right to you because you're making a claim that organizations are not investing enough in the awareness, etc. If I gave you all the funds that you ever needed and you were a CISO or, or anyone in the business who wants to take care of this, what would you have done new or different or more? Well, this, now you're getting to, into a, a, you know the, the, the real role that, uh, that Jeff and other CISOs have. I mean, they, they have to recommend as, as subject matter experts and as strategic sure. so, advisors so, yeah. to the businesses that they serve. They're, they have to run, recommend a mix. So there's a, a range of, 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 of risks that the organization faces. Um, uh, every organization, you know, the security is always in context, so every organization is going to have different uh, uh, priorities and and, uh, and you know needs for for risk to float to to the top. Uh, the organizations you know may choose to prioritize uh, this. I mean you don't have infinite resources, right? So you have to do that kind of triage on the investments that you do make. Um, so I, it's impossible to answer that question. I am saying though that the the, the analysis is that uh, investments in awareness and training. Uh, do significantly reduce uh, the risk. It's that last mile on the prevention side that I was telling you about. And, um, it, it, you know, the, the investments in the training and awareness are actually not that big either. And the, the impact that you can have is to reduce the risk uh, in the models that I have uh, by, by about 60%. So, um, again, it's, it's a, a mix of controls, and that's going to be unique for everybody. But uh, I, I think um, I'm trying to make the point that, you know, if you approach it in the proper way, which is a risk-based uh, discussion, um, that, then I think that, you, you know, you, you get more traction with uh, uh, and probably more budget in total from, from the business leaders. Yeah, Sanjag, if I, if I could, um, for me, it's, it's about sustainability um, of a particular control. And, you know, the technology these days, and, and it is critical technology, it, it serves a very important role. Um, all of the various uh, technologies that we as security uh, professionals put in place inside of our organizations, um, those, are, those are important capabilities to have. But when you think about changing um, the culture of an organization, 
um, in, in making it a security-aware uh, organization or a security-aware culture, and providing them with the, the knowledge and, and tools uh, that they need to do that. Culture is a very difficult thing to change, but it's so sustainable. And in the face of threats that change on a daily or, or monthly basis, um, you can't keep up in a technology race with, with, with that type of change. But the culture can, the people can. If they've been provided with the right tools and, and knowledge, um, they, can, they can keep pace with that. And they'll make decisions um, probably uh, on pace with the technology, hopefully, in some cases, uh, and, and that outpace your ability to keep up with um, putting the next generation firewall or the next um, anti-phishing control in. So, so for me, it's about sustainability. It's about overcoming um, you know, the, the cultural barriers, shifting the, the culture and attention of an organization, and creating a, a, almost a self-sustaining uh, environment where the people become um, a layer of defense in your, in your portfolio. I think that's really well said. I wish I, I wish I'd said that. Good. <laughs> so, uh, so Jeff, when you look at your organization and the kind of initiatives that are underway in terms of building awareness and, and doing other things related to helping the organization become more secure, with respect to this area, the awareness side and the behavior change, would you say a res- any kind of constraint exists today which prevents you from going doing the best you could? Um, it's a difficult question. I think you know one of the one of the things that occurs to me is um, uh, we're constrained by the, the the limits of our imagination. So again, um, it, it's so important that you identify um, the right the right way or ways to engage with your community. And, and any large organization has it's 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 not a ubiquitous population. You've got pockets of people, you, you know, one organization is um, remarkably different than another uh, in the way they work and in, in, in the constitution of their workforce, maybe what their responsibilities are. So it's, it may not be a one, uh, one size fits all. Um, so in, in some ways, uh, time's a constraint. Um, I wish I had enough time to, um, you know, to put toward shaping and, and driving awareness and training a, across the organization. I've had to make some decisions around uh, the level and, and um, content at an enterprise level, and then how much we can customize or tailor that and, and push it out to other maybe more specialized or diverse parts of our business. Um, so it's, I guess, in my mind, less about the dollars and more about uh, time and imagination. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Derek, when we come back, let's look at the different areas in which we are going to be investing with respect to building awareness and behavior change, keeping in mind that what we are dealing with today is going to further morph and it is going to most probably become more complex, more demanding uh, in terms of what we need to do with in terms of educating our uh, business users and others. So what is in store? What are we doing? Are we only going to react towards saying this is what we learned based on 20 breaches that happened and now our cust- the, the training will be oriented to take care of those breaches because thieves are always going to be ahead and we'll keep playing catch up? Is that what is going to be the case or are we are doing anything proactively? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back.
Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Jog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Jog All. Welcome back. So, Derek, while we are dealing with existing threats, they are evolving and people will get deceived in new ways. Do you think that education or awareness building and behavioral change related exercises that we are executing today are going to really prepare us for the future or this is again going to be we live day by day? Well, I, I think they can. And I just want to say again that what Jeff was saying before about the creating a, a, a sustainable culture and relying uh, on the people as part of the mix of security uh, controls is, is very well said. And I wish I had said it myself that, that you know, the kind of uh, awareness that I think of many companies might think of um, uh, listening, you know, the posters or the annual uh, <clears throat> compliance oriented, you must take this uh, course and check the box. That, that I don't think is what we're talking about here, at least not what I'm talking about. I think we're talking about uh, an ongoing uh, capability of, of, of making users aware and making part of the way that they approach their their work for for the company. And uh, and those things do need to be um, flexible and, and evolve uh, over time. They're not just uh, you know static posters or kind of once a year and done. I, I would also say that the, the kind of um, uh, leadership that, that Jeff is talking about is, is excellent, and again, not everyone has it. I think you would be kind of the tip of the pyramid on that, but when you talk about the ability of, of, of CISO or other security leader to, uh, to strategize, to, to have awareness and be able to do forward thinking and conceptualization uh, like that, those are very important skills, and uh, the, 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 the builders of, of community and people that, that, that he was talking about, I think, are also part of that, and also, the communication, I'll just end with that, it's just so important to be able to listen and understand the needs of the business, uh, persuade and build consensus. Those are maybe not the skills that a lot of uh, people in security and, and technology leadership roles uh, had. They might have gotten in those roles because they were good at uh, security and technology. Uh, uh, and, and these are skills uh, that are 
so important uh, going forward. So I, I just maybe as we get to the final uh, segments here, I'll, I'll try to make those points because I think they're uh, extremely important. So, Jeff, when you look at uh, your role and most CISOs at the top who are grappling with all of these different challenges, I'm sure must be feeling lonely up there because the businesses, other business leaders, executive management may not understand the intricacies of the technology, but they definitely see the risks and even get more paranoid as they hear more breaches. So what is the support system that is needed at your level? for you to be able to go out and be able to build the right type of awareness and the behavioral change along with making the changes in technology and processes to eventually get to a point where you can say, yes, I can sleep at night. Perhaps I'm not sure if that's going to happen. but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know that that day will come. Um, you know, Sanjay, your, your point is uh, spot on, um, especially in security. Uh, I think the the challenges are, are so multifaceted. Um, the, the threat is oftentimes uh, unpredictable, so they don't have to follow a release calendar or um, uh, you know a QA review process. They can adapt uh, on the fly um, and, and target organizations uh, on a whim. Um, so uh, predicting predicting who's going to hit you next and how is often very difficult to do. Um, equally your point around the complexity of the technology and, and the technical solutions that you bring to bear against it, uh, also very valid. It's, it's difficult to explain how, put it a different way, I find myself saying, yeah, but, a lot. <laughs> um, there's no silver bullet to this. Um, there's no um, piece of technology or portfolio of technology or a combination of things that we can put in place that would really um, give anybody in my role the ability to, to look at a, another senior executive and say, we're good, we've got it covered. Um, it, it comes back to balancing um, your portfolio of capabilities, uh, understanding the risk, not the threat, but as Derek said, you know, what is the risk that we're uh, attempting to mitigate or control and how much control do we want to exert over it? Then the CISO's got to step up and help advise on the right fuel mixture, the right selection of capabilities, people, process, and technology that can provide um, a measurable uh, way of demonstrating that that particular risk is being managed. Uh, and, and it's just an ongoing and active dialogue. Again, awareness at an executive level um, may not necessarily take on the form of what email to open or what web, website not to browse. Um, awareness in that, in that audience may be uh, around the complexity of the challenge that we face and helping uh, give them the tools and the, the, the forum to have these types of uh, discussions, uh, understand the threat, the risks, uh, and, the, and the capabilities that we can bring to bear to, to manage it. So this and awareness takes uh, a different form depending on the audience. But I think uh, to answer your question around uh, that executive audience and, and awareness, that, that's what I would say. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, Derek and Jeff, for sharing your thoughts on how we can go about improving cybersecurity awareness and behavior. Very good. Happy to do it. 
And uh, listeners, uh, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations.